Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Matthew 6, uh, starting with verse number 14, the Bible says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And for the next little while, uh, my subject matter is probably pretty evident. Amen. But I want to just talk about forgiveness and say, well, you know, we visited this before. Uh, well, if you're going to hang around here very long, we're probably going to visit a lot of things over and over and over and over again and uh, because it's needful and necessary to do so. But let's pray this morning that God would touch our hearts and minds afresh today with this word. God, I come to you today, Lord, as we would, Lord, delve into your word and your scripture to consider, Lord, the matter, Lord, of forgiveness. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, you're able to help us today as we would probe, Lord, into this idea, probe, Lord Jesus, into this concept today lord of scripture help us lord to be open-minded help us lord to be open-hearted help us god to give ear and god give mind lord jesus to what you would want and what you would have father in in this place for we are lord standing god in need of it and god help us lord to be transfers of it lord as well and i thank you and i praise you jesus god for what you do lord in this place in jesus name that i pray amen everybody say amen Amen. You may be seated this morning. Uh, whenever, whenever you start mentioning or you, you, you call to the mind the idea of forgiveness, uh, that, that does not uh, go without impacting and affecting every life that's sitting there in the sound of my voice. Uh, for more than one reason, because uh, we all, to a certain degree, have been, uh, let me say it like this, and I'm not setting anybody up for a kill, but we've all been, according to our own estimation, done wrong at some time uh, but we've also been the one that's done the wrong and so I believe with that that there's not a person that sits among us that's not been then in one of those positions and more than likely unless we just really got some people with halos in place uh, probably been in both positions and probably more than one time in your life and uh, let me just go on so you don't you know are fearful and overwhelmed it'll probably happen again uh, that you'll be in one of those two positions. And so whenever you mention the word forgiveness, even in a, in a big setting or in a small setting, there's a lot of mixed feelings that already start to get in, just start to start to, to be enacted uh, in people's minds when you mention the word forgiveness. Because even as I speak this morning, uh, there's probably people here uh, that have some offenses in their life. I didn't know it was going to be this rough, but we'll trudge through it if we got to that have some offenses in their life and as a result of that you have a lot of mixed feelings that come uh, whenever you've been the one that's been offended uh, and you start talking about forgiveness uh, because whenever you talk along those lines then some people whenever they're the one that's wrong they believe that they shouldn't have to offer anything because I have the injustice done to me amen you're getting there all right we might we'll turn the heat up a little bit more maybe you know but then there's others, people that were the ones that did the offending, the perpetrator, if you will. 
And so whenever you bring up the idea of forgiveness uh, in a setting like this, already, they're already maybe, maybe, I say maybe, all right? Uh, they already maybe are dealing with feelings of a little guilt, a little shame, because they've already cast their eyes over their shoulder and seen, you know what, I probably shouldn't have done that. And so sometimes when you mention forgiveness, there's maybe some guilt and shame that comes up with the one who is offended. But then again, that same person, there could be another person along the similar lines that they believe, hey, they deserved it. <laughs> you know, so some people can feel guilty and shameful. Other people can say, man, that's no, that's no skin off my back. See, you see well, you got a lot of feelings that can come and play whenever you start talking, Brother Cox, about forgiveness. And people on, on different, uh, what I might call in a different place of process concerning that whole idea of forgiveness. You know, people, some believe that they, they, they should offer it. Some people, they should receive it. Some people believe they shouldn't have to offer it because they're the one that received the infraction. And so we have all these different mixed feelings that come back, even in a church setting like this, whenever we talk about the subject matter of forgiveness. But the thing concerning uh, infractions or, or lack of forgiveness, let me say it like that, whenever we talk, though, about lack of forgiveness, it may seem like, you know, man, that's, that's nothing big. There's no, no big deal about not offering forgiveness. You know, it's just a small matter. But in reality, you know, there's a lot of small matters even in Scripture that have great impacts. Just this past week, I, was, I, I went on an emergency trip to the dentist right here in town, and he's not my normal dentist. My whole dentist office was on vacation, and I don't know what that's all about. But uh, they're all on vacation, the whole office. There's no one there, and that's what they're recording said the whole office is on vacation and so I you know I, I needed to get to a dentist because I was having some severe pain from the middle of my teeth down here all the way to the back and uh, I had noticed Wednesday evening uh, that I had some pain toward the back and I thought nothing of it maybe something's in my teeth you know and so I, I went through the process and make sure everything was okay there and I noticed some spots back on my gum where I used to have wisdom teeth and and so I, I thought, well, no big deal. I'm a McGee. You know, you just don't worry about stuff. You just go on. Well, the next day as the day continued, that pain radiated all the way to my front teeth, was going back and forth, and had this throbbing jaw thing, and that was starting to get on my nerves. And uh, so I said, well, I'm going to have to find a dentist. So I went to a dentist here in town, and I thought maybe I have infection. Maybe I have infection in my gums. So my wife had some leftover amoxicillin, uh, and amoxicillin, so I started taking that just in case, you know. I mean, I'll get ahead of this. We're going to be good to go. Matter of fact, by the time uh, I went to the dentist on uh, whatever day it was, Friday, was it? Friday, I was starting to feel a little bit better and went in there, and they checked me out, and they looked around and said, man, looks good. You don't have any cavities. You don't have any infection. And so the only thing there is is somewhere probably in chewing, man, you really put an abrasive spot back there on your gum. Just in chewing something, maybe something sharp, and even unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize it did it. Man, just went back there and hit that. Seemed innocent. I mean, chewing, you know, seriously. A little pain back there, a few little spots on my gum stopped, no big deal. But it was enough over the next few days. The impact of that got pain shooting from there all the way up here just throbbing. So we got to watch what we may deem as something very insignificant. Because even the insignificant things can radiate to be a whole lot more. Might I even say on the side of pain. Than what the initial, the initial encounter was. 
And so here we are, though. We're, we're people. Everybody say, I'm human. Man, that's a good line, isn't it? Yeah, I'm human. That covers a multitude of sins. Being able to say that you're human, you know, have a bad attitude. You just say, I'm human, you know. Forget to pay a bill. Tell, tell the collector, oh, I'm just human. Yeah, whatever. Seriously, we, we use that, and I understand, I understand the reasoning behind that, but sometimes maybe we also use that a little inappropriately. But the thing is this, you, if you have a family, or if you have a husband or a wife, or if you have a friend, or if you have a church family, if you're not a hermit, okay, let's put it, if you're not a hermit, somewhere along the line, you go get hurt. Mm-hmm. If you make yourself vulnerable to love and be in relationship with other people, you're going to get hurt somewhere along the way. You're going to get hurt by people you love. You're going to get hurt by people you care for. You'll get hurt by people that you had a high level of respect in. But what we got to come to terms with as a church and people is this, is that is the hurt that I receive here and there, is it less or greater than the benefit that I receive by having that individual in my life? Amen. Because the vulnerability of your love and your appreciation for one another is that you are probably going to be hurt. But that, since that's going to happen, since we are human, since we are people, and that is going to happen, you got to weigh in your mind and in your spirit then, though is the benefit of having that person in my life, that brother, that sister, that husband, that wife, that family, the benefit of having them in my life. Have I received from them more benefit than I have hurt? Has my life been more enriched than, have they added more to me than they have subtracted from? Is the overall account balance in the positive? Because I find in life, you know, there are people we have good relationships with and we're, we're very tight with them, so to speak, and so that does make us vulnerable to get hurt. But sometimes we, we so much so overcorrect in that the moment that we get hurt, then we're ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater and just sever relationships over something we know is going to come about as a result of having relationships. Amen. And so we, you know, and I don't, I don't want to uh, this morning minimize hurt and pain that we receive from each other because it happens. It will happen. I don't, I don't want to minimize, minimize it by having the attitude that, you know, some people say, well, you got hurt, you just need to... You just need to forgive. You just need to forget it. You need to get over it. Well, you know, that's real easy to say whenever you're not the one that got hurt. <laughs> Man, I give counsel all day to people that's hurting because of some injustice and get over it whenever I'm just fancy free right now. But that's a whole lot harder to swallow, Sister Margaret, whenever I'm licking my wound over here. You, you all know what I'm talking You know how easy it is to give advice how easy it is to give counsel whenever you're not in that person's shoes. Seriously now, even if you have been there and that's somewhere in your past, you've already been there and gone, it's still a whole lot easier than if when you were actually there to be able to say those same words. But with this, we got to consider this idea of forgiveness. Amen. You know, I, I believe I believe there's people sitting among me today 
that they had every right to feel the way that they felt whenever they had been done wrong. Mm -hmm. You can't qualm with a person's feelings. Man, they get hurt or they get abused and they feel the way they do. They feel like they've been betrayed. Amen. I believe, I believe sometimes I had a right to feel the way that I did as far as feel like I have truly been done wrong. There's been an injustice there. But we don't need to tell one side of the story of forgiveness without telling the other side of the story of forgiveness. Of the true pain that a person goes through whenever an injustice is there. Yes, a person needs to forgive another who has initiated that pain, caused that pain, but we don't need to minimize the pain that they indeed are feeling. Uh huh. Because we're quick to say, well, they need to forgive, that's true, but they're dealing with some real feelings. Real emotions. That sad enough, you know what? Once you stir up emotions, it's like stirring up a hornet's nest. It doesn't just die down the next second. <laughs> Amen. You got the shovel in your office. I'm going to shovel my way through here today. <clears throat> so we've all been wrong. We all agree with that. We've all been wrong. Sometimes as individuals, and I, I'm going to probably have a hard time getting through everything today, Sometimes as individuals, we, we level a certain amount of reason against unforgiveness in our minds. Why we shouldn't forgive. And we, we start, in our minds, collecting the list and the reasons why I should not have to. Uh-huh. We rationalize our stance. We make it airtight. As a matter of fact, it's pretty convincing to us. <laughs> to us pretty convincing us why we should not have to and we feel a little justified in our reasoning these are good reasons I haven't consulted with anybody else about them <laughs> but I've consulted with myself and they say you always get the, you know, the right response when you do that and according to myself man I should not have to it's legitimate don't need nothing else going on here but you know what I have learned that if you start sometimes to share that list that is airtight, legitimate, don't need any other body else to weigh in on it, that if you allow somebody else to weigh in on it, they start to point out of some of the pitfalls in the list and how trivial some of the points truly are and how it's not really as convincing as you may think it is convincing. But then is the good statement that we'll lean on. And that is, well... I just can't forgive. Mm -hmm. You can't forgive, huh? You know, in life, I found out that a lot of stuff that I term as I can't is simply really, the real grassroots of it is this, it's that I won't. In many instances, I found in people's lives when they said they couldn't do something, that they wouldn't do something. We all have the capacity to forgive, but it's about whether or not we feel like we should have to or not. But Pastor McGee, I've been victimized. And since I've been victimized, and since I've been done wrong, why should I be further made uncomfortable to be the one that would offer forgiveness. Right. I was the one that's wrong. You get that? 
And you still want me to feel a little uneasy to offer forgiveness while the one who did this to me gets off scot-free? Man, we're just reading people's minds this morning, aren't we? But we got to consider forgiveness this morning. These are some ideas that we need to consider. Are there some legitimate reasons why I shouldn't forgive? Are there some times why when I shouldn't forgive? Are there times when, when, when letting the offender, if you will, off the hook, is there times whenever that's not the right option? And am I justified for feeling the way that I feel? Am I? Let's consider a few reasons why you shouldn't forgive. Just walk with me here. Because forgiveness denies the seriousness of the sin. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't forgive, and I'm just telling you maybe some reasons that enter in people's minds. I shouldn't forgive that individual because if I forgive them, then that just says basically whatever they did was no big deal. It wasn't a sin, it wasn't a wrong, it wasn't a true injustice, it wasn't a true infraction. I'm denying and devaluing that they indeed did something wrong if I forgive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What they did doesn't matter at all if I forgive. But that isn't true, folks. That's not true. Can someone say amen? Here's a fear that we should have. That if we constantly get in a rut and constantly get in a position of being unforgiving, listen to me, unforgiving causes of unforgiveness, whenever we have, whenever we have little petty stuff that come up and we have unforgiveness, even over the petty stuff, you know what that breeds inside of us? that whenever the serious major matters come on the table, we'll still assume that idea and mentality of unforgiveness. And now it doesn't take hardly anything for a person to get offended. You've heard the terminology about people walking around with a chip on their shoulder. Well, it happens. Some people's got the whole bag. I like what one person said at one time. He said, the monkey on your back is because of the chip that's on your shoulder. (laughs) Amen. People get easily offended then. The little, well, they didn't shake my hand scenarios. They looked at me this morning whenever pastor was talking about forgiveness. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, yeah. Because whenever we have unforgiveness, then even, even small things, we just have a hard time getting over. Man, they forgot it was my birthday. They knew it was my anniversary. I told them on the phone it was, and they didn't say happy anniversary to I always park in that parking spot out there in the gravel. They got here five minutes earlier than I did today, and they took my spot. Whenever we, whenever we start tripping up over huge matters, then the small things are going to be even more prominent in our eyes. And you know what? We'll walk around constantly offended. We'll walk around constantly with this unforgiveness stuff among us. And you know what that will do? That will separate us rather than bring us together. And God does not have a separated body. 
it will absolutely degrade and have an undercurrent that will break down a lot of the things that are written of Scripture that is all based upon the unification of the body, the unity of the Spirit. He's, it's a, it's a device of the enemy to tear down and break down all those different modes because if he can separate the body, he can separate a purpose, he can separate a vision. You hear me today? Because a lot of it is founded upon our unity. In Proverbs 17 and verse number 14, the Bible says the beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. The beginning of strife is like the letting out of water. If you have something, you know, that's the reason why water dams don't fail, you know, necessarily over all of a sudden, man, that thing just, boom, it's broken down, and there it is. A lot of times there's fissures. A lot of times there's cracks that has over a period of time let forth some water. But the giving in to the sum brought about the whole breakdown of the all. And so the, the wisdom of Proverbs is telling us don't even give to the letting of the little because the letting of the little is going to lead to a lot. You know, there's some things that are not worth getting into at all. There's some things, let me say it like this, there's some things not worth getting offended over. Amen. There's some things that are not worth getting offended over. Don't let it bother you. Amen. But if you are in a network of work or church, whatever it may be, uh, we must acquire thick skin because it will happen. It will happen sooner or later. Proverbs 19 and verse number 11. The Bible says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory. Look at this. It is his glory to pass over a transgression. Amen. In other words, don't let every little ism and schism and hang up that happens in your life in your relationships become a stumbling block to you yeah don't allow everything become a stumbling block to you we we need to adopt you know those old baseball players that had a bad run where and they hit them just just shake it off buddy just shake it off. we need to have a little bit of that mentality amen in our relationships whether it be marital relationships family relationships church relationships there's just some things that are not worth getting bitter over we just need to shake off Amen, just shake it off. I'll tell you what, there's some good old uh, white and gray-haired saints today that if they had the ability to talk, they would tell some of us younger ones that there's some things in life that's not worth holding a grudge over, not worth worrying about, not worth holding bitterness over, that they wish they'd let go sooner. Amen. Hear the voice of the aged and the wisdom that they have. Just shake some of that stuff up because in the grand scheme of life, it really don't matter. Amen. Solomon's basically telling us, you know, a wise man here, he doesn't take everything that comes down the pike to small people's court, you know. <laughs> he doesn't take everything that comes down the pike as, you know, to the federal government. Now, someone before you shoot me, okay. Again, I'm not trying to minimize the idea that small things can't be painful. By saying, just shake some of those things off, I'm not saying that you are without pain. We'll get into this a little later if I ever get there. 
But sometimes the shaking it off, you're still dealing with pain. And you are arising to be a grand individual of example because you're swallowing your pain for the benefit of that whole situation. It's not to say something didn't bring pain, but it's that you took, you took the upper level and you swallowed the pain of the situation so you'd minimize losing a friendship, a relationship. Amen? We know big things are hurtful, but small things are hurtful as well. So the argument sometimes reads, well, should they or should they not be overlooked? Can we treat every offense the same? Amen. Can a rude remark just thrown can a rude remark and someone being taken advantage of physically can they be on the same playing field can they be analyzed the same does God expect that of us because listen whenever someone offers you forgiveness though for a wrong or you offer forgiveness rather for somebody's wrong you know what this is the reason why some people don't offer it listen some people don't offer forgiveness because they believe whenever they do so that it's forgiveness does not trivialize our pain. In other words, whenever we offer forgiveness, then we're saying it didn't hurt. But it did hurt. So we're not going to offer forgiveness because we don't want them to think that that didn't hurt us because it did hurt us. Uh-huh. I don't know what happens, but do you think that whenever God forgave our sin that he overlooked sin? Anybody? Think God, whenever he looked at our sin, that that didn't impact him just because he forgave us, then that sin didn't impact him? There was still an impact. Consider Calvary. Consider the thorns. Consider the nails. He offered forgiveness, but he himself took the pain. Amen. And that's what the Bible teaches us. And Nahum, chapter 1 and verse number 3, the Lord is slow to anger. Well, that's the Lord. <laughs> and great in power. And will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. God forgives, but God doesn't erase everything in certain terms. God's mercy will not override his holiness and his judgment. It's not like God just says big deal no the payment for sin had to be happened the offense still had to be dealt with and if a perfect God will not overlook sin but deal with it then how much more should we also approach our hurts approach our wounds approach our offenses now here's the deal with sin here's the deal with offenses I've stated this before, but I felt early this morning reiterating some of these things today that sin creates or offenses create an obligation. Everyone say an obligation. And an obligation is basically this. Obligation means that somebody has to pay. I mean, if forgiveness just glosses over the seriousness of the wrongs, then why forgive? But somebody has to pay. So we can't fall into this trap that forgiveness denies the seriousness of the sin or the seriousness of the offense. But we'll find out that forgiveness and the seriousness, if you will, of the sin are two separate issues. 
Amen. Number two, the reason why we might not forgive is the misconception, again, that forgiveness lets them off the hook too easily. If I forgive them, there's a good chance I'll suffer at their hand by the very same thing again. You know, you get bit by the dog the first time. It's the dog's fault. Get bit by the dog the second time. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hold this forgiveness thing at arm's length. Because if they hurt me in that way once, who's to say they ain't going to hurt me that way again? And if I'm quick to forgive this time, they'll take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. They'll take advantage of that. And I'm just opening myself up for further abuse over and over again. They'll do this over and over again if I let them go real easy. Because I see what we're wanting. We're wanting somebody to pay, don't we? We want somebody to pay for how bad we feel. We want them to feel the same way we do. Uh huh. That might have been what possibly prompted Simon Peter to ask this question in Matthew 18, 21. Then came Peter to him, the Lord, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? Maybe Peter had something going on in his life. I've suffered at the same hand by the same offense. How, how, how often, Lord? You know what Peter was wanting? He was wanting a line. and let, I want to know where the line is where I can stop forgiving. That's what really Peter wanted. He wanted to know, how far do I have to go? Now, we don't, I'm not asking for anybody to raise their hand or even a toe this morning. I wonder sometimes in our own personal lives if we just get real with ourselves with certain people or certain episodes, we have not asked the same question. How far do I, how much longer do I have to put it? How far do I have to? And he says, and I forgive him. He says, till seven times. And Peter, no doubt, man, man I'm, I'm being real liberal here. Seven times, Lord. There's the Lord's number, you know. There's seven times, Lord, that they call. I mean, letting them off the hook to do this again seven times. I believe that's what prompted Peter. He wanted to know where that, where that line was. Thirdly, this morning, Forgiveness places too much responsibility on the victim. Again, I'm the one that's been victimized and I got to offer the forgiveness. Don't I already got my hands full here? I mean, I'm licking my wounds. I didn't do anything wrong. You put all this responsibility on the one that's been offended rather than the offender. (laughs) But God doesn't exempt us from offering forgiveness just because it may be difficult for us, just because we might be presently uncomfortable. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 38, there is a story that is relayed here. The Bible says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat and let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. He says, Thou that ye resist not 
evil. What was Jesus doing? Jesus had his big eraser out and he was erasing the lines. He says, if you, if you win a mile, go two miles. If you give him your coat, give him your cloak. If you've been hit on one cheek, give him the other cheek. He was erasing the lines because the moment you start putting those lines in that say this is as far as you go, that's as far as we'll go. If you said this is the limit that you have to love them, let me tell you, I don't know too many overachievers whenever it comes to things like that. They're going to go, and usually they even won't go to the line. They'll always drop just a little below. Just in your everyday life. You, you know, if you have a certain expectation of employees, say, here's my expectation. They're not going to, for the most part, probably hit that. They're going to hit somewhere below. Oh, boy. Well... Well, as a pastor, I can tell you for sure that if you set the level at a certain degree, they're always going to hit below. That's the reason why we always set it higher because hopefully by the time you hit where you hit, you're hitting right where we want you to hit. Yeah. Dale, you could probably testify to the fact. Uh-huh, that smile across your face said enough. Amen. And so whenever you draw lines... Lord says, we're not talking about just a cheek and we're not just talking about a mile. We're just not talking about a coat. We're erasing all that. Don't worry about all that. We don't want you to get out your measuring stick. You know, we get this thing down to a millimeter. All right, it's done. There it is. You know, we're going to do it. That's just the way we are. You know, we'll, we'll fight. You, you, you get pulled over by an officer. Well, you know, I was really going about 54 and three quarter, you know, whatever. Or, or you, know, you know, you start because there's lines there and, and so you're going to get just right to where it's at not anything more not anything less and you'll bicker over but God says I'm erasing the lines Peter he says not, 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 not seven times but seven times 70 and, and he wasn't talking about a 490 number either you know <laughs> someone's got the tally marks here going you know <sighs> so we asked the question is it reasonable then for God to expect this of us whenever it didn't begin with us? And you know what's interesting though? Sometimes whenever we withhold forgiveness, we can suffer for years trying to get victory over something we never did cause. Years! Because we were unwilling to let go of our part to offer forgiveness. We carry around pain for years because it was too much of a pain, per se, to offer forgiveness. Yet, Sister Roberts, we could, went through whatever uncomfortable and difficulty we would have had with just offering forgiveness and maybe had a whole lot more years on the backside of that, of victory and lessened pain if we had just offered it from the beginning. Another reason why we might not give forgiveness is because forgiveness isn't fair. Here's our mentality. Forgiveness isn't fair. Because we do want the playing, level to be, the playing field to be leveled. <clears throat> Let's consider a few things that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not denying the reality of your pain. Forgiveness is not letting your offender off the hook. Forgiveness is not blaming you, the victim. And forgiveness is not unfair. Because God's not unfair. And it all comes from 
him. Romans 9, 14, the Bible says, what shall we say then if their, if their unrighteousness with God, God, is their unrighteousness with God, God forbid. Amen. Forgiveness in the simple form in the New Testament, in the Greek language, it basically means this, a release of some type of obligation. Forgiveness. A release of some type of obligation. It's usually within the context of financial, at least in Scripture. In Luke 7 and verse 41, with that context of financial, seeing forgiveness, the Bible says there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Now, let's consider the creditor here for a moment, the one to who the money was owed. He had a legal right to be paid. He had a legal right to be paid. However, Brother Cox, there was a deficiency between the obligation to pay and the resources to pay. He had a right to be paid. But the person that owed him money, they were obligated to do so. They needed to do so. But they didn't have the resources in order to make the payment. So what, you know, whether you say you can't get blood from a turnip? Huh? Is that right? We got some older saints that can say that's what it is? Well... Man, they don't have the resource. They might have a grand obligation, but if you don't have the resources, you don't have the resources. But there's obligation there. He has a right to be paid. And so oftentimes we get this misunderstanding about forgiveness. Amen. Saying, well, it's overlooking the transgression, but the truth is this somebody always has to pay because the offense always creates an obligation. And that obligation must be satisfied. I have used this illustration before. I'm bringing it back up for your consideration this morning. Uh, some of you may remember this. But someone rear-ends your truck. Brown, I know, I'm sorry. Someone rear-ended your truck. You get out of your vehicle and the offender is a little old lady. Somewhat decrepit, aged her face. Now, to add insult to injury, she doesn't have any insurance. Matter of fact, we're just really going to pour it on thick. She's a retired missionary. <laughs> now, we have an offense here. Poor Brother Brown's truck's been rear ended. It's got some body damage, but here's an old lady, all right, matured lady, however you wish to term it, no insurance. She's been a missionary to Rwanda for the past 37 years, you know. So there's an offense. What does that, that creates an obligation. Something's got to be done about this. Something's got to be done about this. However, this poor old retired missionary lady that's been given everything she had to the mission field, no insurance. There is a deficiency. Yes, everybody say deficiency. Between her obligation to make payment and her ability to make payment. So who's going to pay for this ruckus? 
Who's going to pay for this? Well, Brown, I hate to say it, you're probably going to end up paying for this. What I'm saying in, in the process of wrongs and offenses and whenever things arise in our life, we can look at the situation and say, yeah, something wrong's happened right here. A wrong has been done right here. And we know the moment that a wrong has been done that there's an obligation that's been created as a result of the wrong. There's an obligation here. There should be some type of payment. So we got a wrong. Me and you got into it. I offended you. As a result of that offense, there is a wrong done there. There's an obligation there. There needs to be a payment made. You know what? A lot of times in order to get over the situation, the one that did the offending isn't the one that has the ability, per se, to make the wrong right. You know what has to happen? The one that the wrong has been done to. They understand they're wrong. They understand there's an obligation. And so you know what that person that's been done wrong does? They choose to release the offender from the obligation. And they deal with their hurt and their pain themselves. But there's a miracle that happens in Scripture, folks. I don't know if you'll ever grab this, but there's a miracle that happens in Scripture. That whenever you release the one that has offended you, and you say, now I'm going to have to deal with this hurt and pain, there's something. There is a God development that takes place. Then the moment that you choose to release them, and now you've got all this baggage of hurt, God, because you forgave, Go back to our initial scripture because you forgave. God says, let me put some healing balm upon that issue. Help me put some healing balm on that circumstance because they took the upper road and they did what they did. I'm going to come down and what may have taken weeks or months, I'm going to put my hand upon that. I'm going to bless that individual in their life. I'm going to take care of their hurt and their pain. Amen. Matthew 18, verse 23, the Bible says, For therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, must have been from Kentucky, and when he had begun to reckon, oh Lord, we might have to add that out for all my Kentucky friends. Uh, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. And for as much as he had not, oh, I forgot though too, there's other people around here from Kentucky. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Perfect example. Of forgiveness perfect example the servant owed a real debt to the king the king had every right to demand and expect payment of the debt but here's the reaction of the king he voluntarily released the servant of that obligation and guess what the king then covered that lost himself perfect picture of forgiveness here are some reasons why maybe you should forgive 
you that have the hurt that have been done wrong because forgiveness is the only way that the debt's going to get settled forgiveness is the only way that the debt is going to get settled sometimes there's just no other way now Brown already left on me I guess he's afraid I'm going to bang up his truck but probably went out to check on it you know maybe that was a prophecy or something I mean what's he going to do she's a retired missionary what's he going to do you can't beat a bad, dead horse what are you going to do what other option did the king have seriously what other option did the king have put that man in prison putting him in prison wasn't going to generate more money putting him in prison incarcerating him wasn't going to cause this man this, just something just to fall in his lap then to be able to take care of being able to take care of the debt that he owned what did the king understand listen to me what did the king understand he understood this he understood that he, if he put that man in prison, listen to me, that he would be holding on to a debt that was unable to ever be collected. He was holding on something that would never be collected on. And you know what that means? He would have to hold on that till he dies. He's going to live with that his whole life. Can fret and worry anything he wants to over that, but it's not going to happen. What did he choose then? I'd rather release that than live the rest of my days complaining bicker about how it never came. I'm going to release that. See, if you don't offer forgiveness, you're holding a worthless debt. If you don't offer it, you're holding a worthless debt. A fender couldn't pay it if you wanted them to pay it. Mm-hmm. You're holding a worthless debt. Consider, you know, and he said, man, eye for eye for tooth for tooth. We live in a, you know, a Sioux trigger happy world. You run to the law, man, they sue you for whatever, you know, spitting over the fence on their lawn, you know. I like what mom man said. He said, man, we keep this eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth stuff. He said, we'll all end up toothless and blind. <laughs> <laughs> what quality of life is that, really, you know? <clears throat> so it's the only way to break the endless cycle of hurt and unfairness then is to forgive. Number two, this, this idea of forgiveness what this does for the one who has been offended, it frees you to get on with your life. I mean, the king undoubtedly had a lot of responsibilities besides keep track of who owed him money. Especially being king, I imagine he had a lot of that. Had a lot of responsibilities. Could you imagine being held hostage with a lot of other responsibilities, things you should be doing and ought to be doing because you're holding a debt in your hand that's never going to be paid? Huh? You know, it's like the old story there. Those certain birds don't remember what they are, but they find a certain feeding place. And then they don't want no other birds to feed there. So as a result of it, they stay over in distant trees. Whenever they see others just come feed from that place, they'll go and run them off. Their life is regulated then by wanting that all by themselves and nobody else to have it. 
And so they've limited life by their actions. And whenever you have unforgiveness in your life and you're holding people to a debt that's never going to be paid, think of everything else you could be doing in life if you just release that and let it go. I wonder sometimes how much more, and I'm just throwing this out there, I don't know of no grand instance, but I wonder how much more us as individuals or as a church could do if we just let go of some of the debts that we're holding on to. They're holding us hostage. They're holding us hostage. Amen. But whenever you let go of that, man, you can go on with your life. Forgiveness, number three, is an antidote to needless suffering. To antidote to needless suffering. Look at the servant's actions later in Matthew 18, 28. The Bible says, and I'm already past time, but that's fine. It's only 11, 11. We usually get done at 11, 30, so we're fine. But the same servant went out and found, the choir didn't sing this morning. They allotted their time to me. And found one of his fellow servants which owed him. Well, I'm talking about the servant that was just released. Now goes out, finds one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and beside him, saying, Have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. A debt that this man don't have the money to pay and be in prison for sure ain't going to get the money. He's holding a worthless debt. And so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest, here we are folks, shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee, and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay. All that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Forgiveness is an antidote to needless suffering. Because this man chose not to forgive and he's delivered into the hands of the tormentors, folks. Delivered into the hands of the tormentors. And he's going to be there till kingdom come and will be done. Because he had a heart that would not forgive. Because what follows unforgiveness is bitterness. And the Bible says that bitterness gets roots. Mm-hmm. The root of bitterness it's very sharp it gets very pointed and whenever we have a choice to forgive and we don't forgive after a while we become bitter amen and listen you know forgiveness man it's it's a corrupt cancer unforgiveness that is it won't just separate you from your brother or those you're in relationship with it'll separate you from your god eventually yes Again, referring to a story I've used before, but I think it illustrates so well the idea and the concept of President of the United States, James Garfield. Uh, for less than four months, uh, he, he was shot in the back with a revolver on July the 2nd, 1881. He'd just been president for about four months, got shot in the back with a revolver. And while the president was still unconscious, the doctor probed into the wound with his little finger. He was unsuccessful in trying to detect the bullet. Over the course of the summer, Sister Nadine, teams of doctors begin to probe into that wound and that opening, trying to find the bullet. And here the president is clinging on to life as they do all of this. 
He's clinging on to life through July and through August, but sometime finally in December, the president died. But the outcome was this. The president did not really die of a gunshot wound. The president died because all these different hands that were probing into the wound brought infection inside of his body because everybody wanted to find out where did the bullet go? Where did the infraction go? Where's it at? Where's it located? It wasn't the gunshot that killed him. It was everybody probing into the problem that killed him. Folks, there's a lot of things we can go on and live with. A lot of things we can go on and live for God with and live with one another with. But as long as we keep our hand in the problem, I'm not going to forgive and they hurt me and we keep digging and trying to find out where the point of entry is and where it left. We're going to kill one another. We got to just let it go. We're all going to suffer some gunshots, but we're going to be able to live after the matter. Just quit probing. Quit probing. Stop trying to figure it out. A lot of times the offense won't ruin a person. It's feeding the offense to allow it to live longer. I tell you what, in some respects, I wish I could be a kid all over again. When it comes to how easily kids can get over infractions. You know, man, they be yelling, screaming at one another in less than five minutes. They're playing happy-go-lucky. It's a forgotten wrong. Now, the parents, they're still going to contend with it for the next months. Uh-huh. And, you know, and if you're the one that's been offended, you're the one that's constantly putting your hand in there. Have you ever considered the reality of the circumstance? Many times the one that offended you are going on with their life and you're nurturing a wound now you tell me what sense that makes alright stand with me and I'll close very quickly So now what are you going to do, though, after you've been offended, you had real hurt, real pain. We're not ignoring that. There's an obligation. You release the offender of that obligation. They've went on with their life. Now you're going on with your life now, though. How's your attitude going to be toward that person? Are they on probation now? Are they at arm's length? Do they need to now prove themselves to you? Offenses do create an obligation. And know this well. And this is where, you know, the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. You don't have to worry about collecting payment. I know we believe we deserve that, but you don't have to worry about that. God takes care of the payment book. Whatever a man soweth that, he also will reap. God will take care of the payment book. And you know what is 
going to become very grossly aware that whenever that payment does come and it's not by your hand but it's by the hand of God those of us that's been offended at times guess what whenever that payment comes to them it doesn't nearly feel as good as what you thought it was going to feel to see them go through their pain thought man we'd just really relish in the moment yeah whenever you first been wounded but after time passes and then payment comes it isn't going to feel near as good as you thought it would feel I've oftentimes said this and I hope this always remains true because our beginning scripture kind of bears it out basically that if we practice a life of forgiveness you know God will forgive us our transgressions and we have been forgiven and so I've said oftentimes if the church is a church house of anything grace mercy all those things the church house should be a house of forgiveness because those of us that are standing here by benefit of the Lord have been forgiven so much we should be some of the best forgivers so that whenever people walk in our doors they just feel like they have a place where they can lay down some garbage lay down some offenses and that there's a great God in heaven that can forgive them of those offenses will you join me right now here in prayer this morning I feel like God has come down and just just done some operation today I really do Hallelujah. I feel like being impressed to go this direction this morning was no accident. I feel like God has washed his hands. He's opened us up and he has done some things this morning. Father, God, I approach you today. God, I... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.